This podcast is brought to you by Dragon Shield. Check out the affiliate link down below to support the show. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. I'm Dylan. And I'm comfortably adrift in my tepid 30s. And this week, we're all together because it is the official Wilds of Eldraine set review time. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. S- Somehow, we have 19 cards on this list to talk about. Way too many. There's way too many. <laughs> there yeah. are not 19 good there cards are 19 on this set. 19 cards that might see play in all formats other than Yeah, Lander. realistically, <laughs> there's three or four cards on this list that might actually come up in CEDH, but there's a lot of cards on here that have the right words that they could be broken, maybe down the line. We just have to watch out for other things that come. Sure. And there's a lot of Tier 2, Tier 3 playable CDH decks that don't see a ton of tournament play, but with the right additions, they'll definitely get a little bit better. So yeah. we're going to talk about some of those too. Yeah, maybe some of these cards will now make them Tier 1 cards. Maybe so. Like the Elusive Otter, which is our first card that we're going to talk about. This one's so cute. The non-fancy border one has like these little horns. I am a big fan of this card. I really yeah, want to be too. good. I am also a big fan of otters. Yeah. We... <laughs> That's a different thing. Uh, uh, no, it's definitely thing. the same thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what does this card do? Uh, so this card is a creature otter for one blue. It's a 1-1 one, one with prowess and says creatures with power less than elusive otter's power can't block it. But it also has an adventure stapled onto it that's called Grows, Groves Bounty. The V it's in the end of the wrong otter that grows. It, yeah, it's right. <laughs> it does because for X and a green, you can distribute X plus one plus one counters yeah. among any number of target creatures you control. So it is growths. Sure. <laughs> Some interesting things. So early in this recording, I think something like Edric might like this. Maybe I think this is the only deck that might like this. It is a relatively evasive attacker for one mana that will allow you to draw other cards, and then when the board gets stalled out a little bit and you have ground creatures that need to get bigger, you can. Give them more plus one, plus one counters. This is a card that if I was playing standard, I would be afraid of for some reason. These type of like green little plus one, plus one counter evasive type that I feel like I lose to these decks all the time. Like if I'm when I'm playing standard power level, I don't know that it'll make its way to CDH or other eternal formats. No, but honestly, this seems like pretty decent in standard. Like you have yeah. multiples of them. You get one down on turn one. Doing the adventure activates the prowess ability as well as giving it a plus one, plus one counter. So it kind of works well in multiples not that we know anything about standard right now i'm pretty sure shieldred has taken over that format and, and there's this no card's way gonna suck. this card's ass against shieldred <laughs> so like we don't know what the hell we're talking about i'm just like overall power level that's what i think of this card so. i think the most hype part about this card is that it's an adorable otter adorable uh, yeah I'm, yeah i'm here for that let's right. move on <laughs> now for something a little bit less adorable we're going to talk about experimental confectioner this is two and a black for a creature human peasant that's a two three when it enters the battlefield you create a food token and whenever you sacrifice sacrifice a food you create a one one black rat creature token with this creature camp block now this card stinks but you played it recently in a deck yes. that we played for the set do you want to talk about it yes i do so this card actually lets you draw your entire library with peregrine took in play so <sighs> Yes. I was like, so, why is this here? Yeah. yeah. What is happening? Yeah, so actually what you do is, as long as you have a way to make one additional food before you have Peregrine in play with your Experimental Confectioner on the stack, you will be able to have two foods in play because this one with pe- with Pippin... It's Pippin or Peregrine? It's Peregr- Isn't Peregrine the long version of Pippin? I don't know. No, I, I don't think, think so. I have no, you're the Lord of the Rings guy. I don't know. 
I don't know either, but I feel like there's also so much lore in between the, the cards on screen, the right baggins now. and all either that way. jazz. The yeah, cards on way. screen. Just look Pippin at the card on screen, screen Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just look at the edited video yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Come on, dude. Oh, yeah. I was right the whole time. Yeah. Dude, nice. <laughs> well, once you have three foods in play, you can sacrifice the three foods to Peregrine. And then with that, you make three 1-1 one, one rats with your confectioner. Peregrine Took also has a clause on it that says that whenever you make a token, you make a food token. So by making... Th or it's whenever you sack... Let me read Peregrine Took again real quick. Not prepared. Oh, boy. Shame. No, not pre <laughs> I forgot to read Peregrine Took before. We're about to find out what it really is. So Peregrine Took says, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus an additional food token are created instead. So because you have three tokens that each... See separate triggers from the confectioner, you get an additional food token with each of the one ones that you will make this way. So this allows you to continually having enough food to draw your deck and creating a food chain. A f <laughs> a You're really happy about that. I pun. named I the deck food chain and it was awesome. It's so confusing. It's so <laughs> <laughs> like unnecessarily so. I feel like the deck names Which have one of them draws. Uh, Peregrine, Peregrine took draws. When you sacrifice oh, right. three foods, yeah. draw yeah. card. Okay, yeah. Okay. I feel like we've come full circle of like confusing names where now the names aren't even things like breakfast hulk anymore. Like they the names do make sense. They're just wrong. They're just right. rather rather than not making sense. It's technically wrong, but it's <laughs> yeah. also very right. You're yeah. chaining these foods sure. together. So um that's the only reason why this card is here, is that you can do that. Six mana, two cards, draw your deck. That's a rate that's close to CDH. Might might do something. And if you have a disciple of the vault in play. You're draining someone for three life every time you go through this loop. Then, and that's too. not a big if at all. Right. You can also draw through your deck and find something like Endurance and shuffle your graveyard back in to do it again. You'd have to find a way to discard your hand, too. That's the thing. Yeah, you need like a discard outlet and then like Endurance or Elixir of Immortality or something else to Elixir get of Immortality is a great in. one. You just cast the Elixir, shuffle them all back in. But yeah, there's a, there's a couple different things. It's not the best, but it's, it's maybe something. Yeah, it might do something. Maybe we'll see it do something in a game of CEDH on the channel. Maybe so. A card that will definitely do something, though, in CEDH is Beseech the Mirror. Yes. Oh, yeah. I am, I'm glad that we are getting to this one. Do you want to talk about this first? I know you had a couple things Can about Can I read it first real quick? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is one and three black for a sorcery with bargain, our first instance of bargain. Uh, and you can sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token as an additional cost to cast the spell. Search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle. If this spell was bargained for, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. If that spell's mana value is four or less, put the exiled card into your hand if it wasn't cast this way yeah there's a lot going on here um obviously i think this is probably the most hyped cdh card from this set and for good reason um it is uh an unconditional tutor that will let you find anything and as long as that thing costs more than two mana you will be uh, also getting a mana discount on the thing you find so at first blush this makes it maybe look like even better than a demonic tutor in some instances i don't think that's necessarily the case because d2d can split over more than one turn you know, you're, you're not necessarily casting it right away, but there are some phenomenal targets at three and four mana where you're going to make out on this. Um, it's also three black pips. This is a, a detriment for some decks. I think four color plus are going to have a harder time with three plus pips, but it is a real boon for decks like Kirk that are able to cheat on black mana or basically any deck that is running black ritual. Um, this is probably a play pattern that you're going to see, um, especially if it's with a tapped mana vault or something that you're bargaining away. 
Um, and we just got a great uh, four mana target. So I, th- I think we're often going to see this go for the one ring. That's, I think, been said a lot. But Oh, yeah. yeah. That's great. Because it is still cast. So yeah. you still get protection from everything. I compare this card in my head to Diabolic Intent a little bit. Demonic Tutor is so unconditional. You don't need an artifact or something in play. It's only two mana. It's, you know, less hits off of Adnazim, yada, yada, yada. This bargain, you need a couple things. You need like an artifact in play. You can only get specific things if you want the discount. But yeah, like you said, if you get something that's two mana, it effectively itself costs two mana. So it's kind of like a diabolic intent rate. Kirk loves it. Anything that sacrifices Corvold is another one that loves it. Anything that makes tokens, Najila might even like this, is another way to find Derevi. And you can sacrifice one of your warriors if you have too many. I feel like there's a lot of options, but you're right. That triple black pip is a little bit tricky. I know Tivit players have been talking about this card to go get like time sieve. It gets literally like every combo piece that you could think of in the format and it makes me want to like focus in on playing Drenith Magistrate decks more because it, you can tempo people by making it just a four mana demonic tutor they can cast it on their following turn but not for free from exile at least yeah wait how does it go does it no matter what gets exiled or if it's five or higher goes in your hand how it's, is it uh if you yeah it, it ends up in your hand it ends up in your hand. Either. If you oh. don't cast it from exile for free that way, it does go to your okay, hand. Yeah. Yes. So Drenith is a good thing. Drenith stops fucking everything. But Drenith exactly. stopping like this you is should already issue. be playing Drenith Magistrate, right. and I'm glad that that's a card. So that this <laughs> isn't just a completely busted new spell that we have. Other decks that I think are worth mentioning that benefit from this a lot are Dargo decks and Diada. I think these are both yeah, ones good that, points. that really really love this. Um, but really, most decks that are also in black that have breach lines are going to be able to find a way to utilize this to get the you know the one missing piece, um, cast it, and and then get going. Yeah, I think it's a little bit better than Grim Tutor, maybe like a hair worse than Diabolic Intent, somewhere in that realm, and both I of think those cards can see play. I think that's spot on. I yeah. think that's spot on, actually, yeah. Next card? Rankle's Prank is our next card. This is two and two black for a sorcery that says choose one or more. Each player discards two cards. Each player loses four life. Each player sacrifices two creatures. Okay, this was me. I put this card on. I apologize. Now, I, I've been waiting for this. I've <laughs> this been excited for this moment in my life. Four mana is too much for a removal spell. But this is an effect that I've wanted for a long time. Each player discards two cards. I wish it was random. I wish it was him to Torak. It'd be much better. Um, this effect is insanely powerful in casual commander. I use these effects. Each player sacrifice a thing a lot in casual. They're really good. CDH, less good. But I think this one can start being really good. If you use... The modes of sacrifice two creatures, discard two cards. If you don't have the creatures to sacrifice and you discard three cards for each of your opponents to lose four cards, I think that's a swing in your favor. Four mana for a removal spell that's not targeted sorcery speed is rough, and I definitely admit that. But I think this is a piece of the puzzle that if you add enough of these effects together, it becomes maybe like pox decks like can be viable or something. I don't know. I just think this is another piece of that puzzle of grind everyone's stuff out. You can make them have no hand, no creatures, and I don't know. But until Death Cloud is something that we're actively <laughs> right. looking for in this format, this is going to be something else that we'll just say, well, maybe it will be busted down the line. Certainly not CDH, but I love Tiny Bones, so I, I'm pretty yeah. happy about this. See, <laughs> if you made a CDH deck that was Tiny Bones, you'd probably play this card. I have done that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure it would make it still, but right. oh, you know. really? Okay. Yeah, four mana is a lot. I get that. This is a hard yeah. card to fit in. We don't have to spend too much time on it. I just think that effect is unique. Each player discards two cards. I don't think we've had something quite like that. Uh, on a right that's doing a bunch of other stuff too. So I like the card personally. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's, it is right up your alley. Yeah. But is, you've been waiting for them to print a card that says each opponent discards two cards. I, I want not you three for one of right. yourself. Yeah, that's true. You can, you're in black, so you discard stuff you want. But yes, I'm waiting for black, black. Each opponent discards two cards at random. 
that's my dream card. That is the card that I want more than anything. Well, hey, with how much this set in general has been just generally obviously power creeping that might be something we get to soon interesting i didn't is that something you want to talk about real quick how much the set's just like generally power creeping it's interesting in some ways i think in like the draft area i think there's some obvious power creep but as like a set for cdh i don't think this set's oh, particularly no. powerful i don't mean for cedh because this is a very weak cedh set i think in general but like when you take a look at like the commons and the uncommons like the rates that we're getting just divination on an instant now just like really good. strictly better yeah. One of my favorite ones was seeing like the evolution of Savannah Lions and have it yeah. go from Savannah Lions into now like uh, a one mana two one that also has an adventure ability right. that's stapled onto it too. So well, it's it's looking like also um, even. Uh, maybe not commons, but at least at uncommon level, everything is going to be a double face card in the future because even uncommons have so much fucking text on them that they're just going to have to start using the back. It's not even just like one ability. It's like there's a space in between two fucking abilities that they're putting on these uncommons. For me, that's a fun. I love that shit. I love when the cards are super Yeah, well, some people can't read, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I already have a hard enough time with the small amount of words. <laughs> yeah. First strike. Okay. Uh. <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I know. This is actually a really well-timed joke because Ashiok Wicked Manipulator is the next card, and this has a novel on it. Yeah. So this is three and two black for a legendary planeswalker, Ashiok. If you would pay life, this is a static ability on here. If you would pay life while your library has at least that many cards in it, exile that many cards from the top of your library instead. Can we pause here? What the fuck does that mean? Okay, so I know this card's bad. That's the only part of the text that I thought was relevant. I, I, the only thing I'm thinking is... If in Kirk, if you want to save some life, maybe you can do this, but it doesn't even really work because I see. Okay, so if you pay for life, right, you just, just exhaust something, right? You then exit because your library has 78 cards in it, you exile four cards, right, from the top of your library, and then they stay there until you activate another ability, right? So, say you have only five life left and you want to spend five life to do something or four life to do something twice. Kirk is spending like two mana, two life several times often. Do you know what I mean? So as long as you have more life, if you have three life, you can activate um, Villas's ability with Kirk over and over again by exiling cards from your library. So it just gives you like a little bit more reach in that deck. Some Kirk pilot is definitely going to comment below and say, no, this card fucking sucks in that deck. But that's what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't know much about Kirk. I, I have a hard time seeing it running it. And, and the problem to me is that you don't know what you're exiling. So unless you already have all the combo pieces, in which case, why are you kind of bothering? Why are you digging um, more? Then, you know, I, I think you just can't really risk exiling a critical combo piece that you can't recover from, especially in like some, some lines that require more cards like Kirk. Yeah. Like, what are you doing that for? When you just keep doing, you just mill your deck, and then what do you win so, with? Okay, so say you have Kirk, and uh, you have Villas out, and you have three life left, but you want to activate Villas many times. So you spend two life, but since you have more cards in your library than life, you instead exile two cards, and then you draw two cards. So when you get down to three life, rather than being out of options of what to do in Kirk, you can instead chump away some extra cards on top of your library to continue to keep digging and hope that you draw the cards rather than exile uh, the cards. Okay, that's you know what I, I mean? felt. I just wanted to make sure that we were on like a hope and pray scenario we're on a hope and pray scenario. you don't guarantee no. anything. It just allows you to dig a little bit further. It allows you to, you know what I mean? And maybe yeah. Kirk doesn't need that. It's got so many tutors. You're like, you probably don't need a way to dig any further. And it's tied on generic pips of all things. Right. And three generic pips is actually a lot for a Kirk deck. Honestly, so, yeah. now that we have besieged we the mirror, I think that just makes this like null and void Maybe. at this point then a cheaper thing that actually gets what you need yeah. guaranteed 
I will say if it was life loss instead of pay life, then I think we might see this play out differently because if you had that out when you resolved an ad nauseum, you would be able to just exile you know, effectively your entire library and maybe try and get to a, a like natural thoracle without consult that way. Again, but is that good? I mean, no, I've done a lot of demonic consultations for food chain and then exile fastest oracle on my way there. So like, yeah, exactly. I feel like this Same just risk. opens you up to blowing yourself Definitely. And this Out. is and demonic consultation is a one mana way to do that. This is a five mana way to do card that. Card sucks. Yeah. Card sucks. Move card on. Card sucks. Move on. We're gonna talk about red cards now. This one's actually a red blue card. It's called Scalding Viper. Uh the red side is a one and a red. It was late at night when I was putting some of these cards on. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's go, okay. Keep going. <laughs> um I actually put this one on because someone I on I did. someone on oh, okay. Twitter I saw this said, Hey, what about this card? Okay, so sorry. But go, you've sorry, talked to me about this card before, and I'm sticking with my original argument on this card is good for Casual decks and not really CDH. Read it again. I'm sorry. So Scalding Viper is a creature elemental snake that's one in a red that says whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value three or less, it deals one damage to that player. Now, it also has a adventure that's called Steam Clean, which is what I need to do to my shirts after I wear them out. It's one in a blue for a sorcery adventure. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then I exile this card. You may cast that creature. Oh, that's the reminder text. Okay. In theory, this has a lot of good words on it that you want to see. We like bounce spells in general. We like things that punish people for storming off. But we've historically seen that these kind of storm punishments don't really get the job done. We've had better storm punishment cards that have been played, and they don't really come up too much either. And I also really don't like the sorcery speed aspect of the steam clean. I like that you can bounce your own thing, so you get dockside, or on your turn, if you need to bounce a rule of law, you can do that. The obvious things that we love these bounce spells for, but I think that everything on here is at a bad enough rate that I don't care that it's all on one card and saves me a slot. I think I'd rather just have two cards that do it better. I think I think if it was an instant the adventure side, you might be able to make a case for like if you're on Geist Wave or Alchemist Retrieval and you're in Is it running this instead? But absent that, I I think there's just no chance. Yeah, I agree. the The reason I put this on or you put it on, the reason why I think it's close is I find these adventure cards a little bit difficult to evaluate. I think they play a lot better than they read a lot of times. These are two color ones, and like you said, it does two things at not a great rate. But sometimes putting both of those on one card can be good. That's I, true. I'm not sure if this one's good. It does. Read kind of bad i'll give you that but it's close enough that it's maybe worth trying i think like if you like chain of vapor this back to your hand and then sack a land to bounce something else so then you get the ability to like sorcery speed another bounce later yeah. too i think like there are certain things you can do to make this a little bit better but like i would want to be in an is it deck Definitely. because i don't really have a lot of slots outside of just a two color combination to make this feel worthwhile totally agree it also has, I don't know why I keep talking about this card. It also only has one toughness, which is not good against Orcish Bowmaster. Very true. Flick a coin is next. Not flip one. This is flick a coin. This is two and a red for an instant that says flick a coin deals one damage to any target and you create a treasure token. It also says draw a card. This is almost good enough for Karkin Sakashima, I think. I think so it I might just cost too much mana. If it was two mana, we got something. I think so, because, yeah, treasure and draw, like, these are the right things that we want to be doing. It's but basically I, two mana, though. Like, if it resolves, yeah. you get the treasure back, yeah. so... I mean, if it was two mana and it still made a treasure and drew a card. Then it would basically well, yeah, one mana would be really good. Yeah, because when you're looking at the cantrips that are in, in Kark and Shot Kashima that will get you through the deck, you're talking about, like, Git Probe and stuff that you can just, like, cast for two lives. Oh, no, there's definitely better ones. For sure. And and I think um, where it lands in, in that deck is that you, you might just not have enough mana to 
get started with it. And in terms of treasure generation and stuff, like what you want is like the harmonic prodigies and the steam steam whatever. What what's that guy's name? I don't know. I don't know. The magecraft one. Like that <laughs> that shit. It's your it's your creatures that do it with all spells that you want, not just individual spells that are going to generate the treasures. So I, I'm not sure it fits into the game plan, but I could be wrong. I don't know enough about that deck, which is probably why I keep losing to it. <laughs> yeah. This is one that I think since it's also it can double as a win condition that's the only reason i'm considering it once you got four carks out and normally you can win the game with like anything once you got four carks out but this can help you get through your deck and also just straight up kill your opponent it yeah. can shoot them in the face with the damage where I where i i'm kind of evaluating this card as like an end the festivities really because end the festivities does basically the same thing but just for one mana instead and it doesn't draw you that card this is the same thing as this the steam snake that we just talked about where it gives you all of the things that you want in Krakashima, but it has to be a more expensive card because of that so we'll see if that does end up making the cut but. i do think it's pretty notable that this is one target where and the festivities is each opponent that's true but by the time you get to the point where you're 99.7 percent to win with Krak and sakashima i don't think that's the thing that's gonna no most but, of the time yeah. I've, I've seen it happen yeah. with and the festivities sorry nate <laughs> All right, we're going to keep on keeping on here. We're going to talk about Kellen the Feyblood. This is two and a red for a legendary creature, Human Fairy, with double strike. It says other creatures you control get plus one, plus oh for each aura and equipment attached to Kellen. It also has an adventure that's called Birthright Boon. It's one and a white for a sorcery that says search your library for an aura or equipment. Oh, my God. Search your library for an aura or equipment card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand and then shuffle. Can I ask you something? When you read these cards in your head, do you read them creature first? Like how you've been reading them now? Because I always read them adventure. I always read adventure first. I always personally. read the adventure first. Oh, no, I always read creature first. Really? Because if the creature body sucks, I'm less inclined to care about what the adventure does. Interesting. I will do the um, adventure first all the time. So I want to know what that one is because I'll do that one more than the creature a lot of time. Doesn't matter. It, I'm just curious mm, how, I guess how your brain fair. looks at it. So when you look at Moxfield, the creature comes is on top there and then the that's fair. The adventure is on the bottom. So I'm also just reading it in the order that they're giving it to me. Okay. This is a two mana tutor uh, for uh, obviously an artifact or an equipment or an aura. That's normally not good, but in just the right deck, in the right Arden deck, two mana, find your combo piece. In the cold deck, this is going to be something. I think this will be good. Just the fact that it's a two mana tutor for the thing that you want. It's a shoe-in it. for coal. It's right. demonic tutoring coal. Exactly. Yeah, like in that one deck, it's really great. And also like the creature side of it, I don't know. It's not going to come up a ton in CDH, but it's a powerful effect. Yeah. Like, it's I, the effect is strong for it's sure. Gonna, I think yeah. this is a busted casual commander. Definitely. Like, oh like, yeah. A, a anthem for every artifact and equipment. That's like that's crazy. That's gonna be huge. And like it's it's got to be hard for Boros equipment commanders because there's so many fucking options now. That yeah. Do right. Something like which one's best? I don't know. But either way, this one definitely goes in the Boros equipment deck. Whatever um, that deck is. Whatever that yeah. deck is. And maybe if like some type of Tana nope Tana Arden deck and because that's like often something some type of Arden deck can maybe yeah. use this or some type of Cold deck. That's the real thing that's what it's here for yeah i don't think this is a commander on its own it uh, it could be but i don't think for like cedh purposes that would get you there no i don't think so you have to like naturally find goto and use this to find yeah. helm maybe and there's something better that but I, 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 that sounds I, I, bad no, yeah <laughs> it sounds bad that sounds yeah. not good here's another good card we're gonna talk about another good cedh good card. card realm scorcher hellkite <laughs> 
This is debatable. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this is it's a slight upgrade for one CEDH deck. This is four and two red for a dragon with bargain. It is flying in haste, and whenever it enters the battlefield, if it was bargained, you add four mana in any combination of colors. And then for one in a red, it deals one damage to any target. That's the important part. That's the important part because this is just a better Skargan Hellkite, in my opinion, for Magda. Yeah. Right now, Skargan Hellkite basically does the same thing, but I have to make sure that I say plus one, plus one counter when it enters the battlefield, which it's not like I really misclick in real life a lot, but I have, so I need to watch out for that. Plus, its activated ability is half the amount of mana that Skargan Hellkite is. Now, Cameron, why the fuck do you care about that? You have infinite mana at this point. Well, I don't always have infinite mana if I'm in the middle of like a game or I just got interacted with and like I had this on the stack or something. I don't know. There's enough of an upside here between the bargain ability and a cheaper activation cost that it's a no-brainer for me to swap this in. And even though that like those things are rarely going to matter, they will matter one out of a hundred times. And yes. other than that, it's no worse than Skargan Hellkite. If anything, I feel like it's only better than Skargan Hellkite. Exactly. So. And I'll point out when right. it happens that it's better. Yeah. So I'll see in three years when it comes <laughs> yeah. up or some shit. Bargain for it. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, not going anywhere else. No, I wouldn't put this anywhere near another CEDH deck though. Okay. Cool. What about a Thrasios deck that plays like training grounds, makes the ability cheaper? No. You know what? Not only does it make the ability cheaper, but if you sacrifice your you can activate like your Mox Opal or something, you'll get if Thrasios activation, like you just said. Yeah, that's really good. All right, let's move on. Elvish Archivist. We have the, I don't, I don't have a joke for this. <laughs> <laughs> one in a green for an elf artificer. Whenever one or more artifacts enters the battlefield under your control, put two plus one plus one counters on elvish archivist. This ability triggers only once each turn. Whenever one or more enchantments enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability only triggers once each turn. I don't think this card is very good overall, but I did play it in the green-white deck that we played for the Eldraine. What was the name of that commander? Yana. We'll talk about her a Yana. little bit more later. Um, she does enchantress-type stuff. She does rule-of-law-type stuff, so the once per turn isn't as much of a negative. This card, two mana for an enchantress effect, is not going to see play in basically any deck besides that one person that you know at the local game store that is playing enchantress stacks or I was going to say Sithis. Yeah. 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 right? Yeah. Like, the one, one or maybe two decks will use this effect, and it'll be like a fine great include in those decks outside of that not much yeah in those decks though can i just say i'm not sure that it does but if sithis runs smothering tithe that is the one instance in which i see the the size of this body actually being like a right. problem yeah and i'm a big fan of cards Whoa, that are yeah. like close to good but also get huge because i feel like ways to like break up stalled out board states are really good in cdh right now yeah. Just like accidentally big things, beating on people with Dargo and stuff like that is getting better and better. Speaking of beating on people with things, the next card reminds me of what they were originally going to have Garrick Wildspeaker be as a Planeswalker before they completely shifted the design of Planeswalkers in Lauren Block. This is the Huntsman Redemption. That was something from Mark Rosewater's podcast That's 10 years ago that you just took out of probably. Yeah. I've been <laughs> holding on to that drive to work. Like six years, yeah. this drive to work episode where he talked about this. A little piece of knowledge that I know. Oh my god, it's finally come up. Alright, what does this card do? Just like when the fucking bargain dragon's gonna You definitely be said Lauren too, not Lorwyn, I think. I said what? I think you said Lauren, not Lorwyn. Yeah, Lauren. Yeah, so MTG Hot Dog is gonna be really happy to have that call out. <laughs> Alright, so this is a saga. It says, for two and a green, it has chapter one, create a 3-3 beast creature token. Bad part. Bad part. Two, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature or basic land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle. Good part. 
Except for the basic land part, but the creature part's good. Creature part. The creature you can get. A sack creature, get a creature. What creature are you sacking for a basic land in literally any format? You have to be in such a bad situation with your Grave mana crawler. fixing. I don't know. <laughs> good point. Ah, you found it. Leave it to Dylan yeah. to find, like, the upside yeah. and, like, the positivity and, like, any... I love it. Oh, that's awesome. All right, number three, up to two target creatures each get plus two, plus two, and gain trample until end of turn. This is Garrick Wildspeaker. It's literally the overrun ability. You make a thing, and it goes away, like the what they were originally going to do with Planeswalkers. This one, that second ability, I kind of like. Green has an ample amount of tutors, so three mana for a tutor that you don't get right now, I understand, not so great. But when you get to untap and you get to find something on your main phase on the turn where you invested no mana, in it that's pretty good surprisingly good sometimes that was one of the main reasons why i liked cards like dark confidant for a while because i spend the two mana now and then when i get the extra card all my mana is untapped so i can do something with that card right away i feel like this is the same way i think it's kind of going to depend on your meta if something like this is going to be good because if you play against a lot of fast decks you're not going to have the time to go okay three mana for a vanilla creature and then have nothing until you lose the game but if you play in like a slow enough meta where you have time to get out like value pieces like this, this could be insane. And you can end up killing players with the three then too. Yeah, there's not no power to it for sure. Um, I do think uh, when I when I find myself playing creature tutors in general, I usually am grateful when they're instant speed because I do not like to say the turn in advance, hey, I'm tutoring next turn just in case you want to do anything about yeah, it. Who wants to find their opposition agent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, really. So that, that feels not that great. Um, but I think, I don't know, because it's an Enchantment, maybe this is another thing that could go with Sithis, but I feel like I'm just saying how much I don't know about that deck and Sithis players. If you if this does look really good to you, I am so sorry about the state of your deck. I just <laughs> uh, I don't think yeah. This actually goes in anything. Um, I think of this kind of uh, not nearly as good, but like Wishclaw Talisman. Wishclaw is a card that oftentimes that I will play knowing that I'm going to activate it later. The good part about it is I get that control and activate it later. I think this is in a similar boat. If you know, like, I think I can win next turn. I get this little guy out here, use that 3-3 blocker to protect something. I don't know. There's, there's just so many green things. There's so many green There's so many green things. That's the issue. Like, the good yeah. part about Wishclaw Talisman is that you get to you time choose. it and, like... If, even if something happens in the turn cycle, you don't have to activate it. So uh, this might see play and it might not see play, but there's going to be decks that might like the ability. Either, Was that enough on the yeah. fence to make it, it sound either will like or it won't? 50% yeah. chance. 50% chance. That's <laughs> my favorite statistic. <laughs> we're going to get into a bunch of the commander options from the set here. We have five of them we're going to talk about. Agatha of the Vile Cauldron is the first one here. This is red and a green for a legendary creature, Human Warlock. That's a 1-1. It says, activated abilities of creatures you control cost X less to cast, where X is Agatha's power. This effect can't reduce the mana cost to less than one mana. And for four red and a green, other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain trample and haste until end of turn. So her ability costs less for her as well. Does she, she doesn't say other? She, says she doesn't say other. Interesting. It's yeah. so weird because way back in early magic, here's another tidbit from Mark Rosewater Give podcast. <laughs> way back in early magic, they did things where like it, it benefited all creatures. So Your that opponent's the creature it, well, all And so that the creature itself that had the effect would also get the effect. And then they switched away from that because it was getting too confusing. And people would say, does Agatha also reduce herself too? And Seems then they obvious, are now switching it back, or are they not? I don't know. I'm Sometimes. so confused all the time. I think they just 
very rarely switch it back now. Yeah, probably. You want to talk about this card? Where are you thinking for this one? Anything? I mean, I love that it reduces activated abilities. I think it's potentially a powerful effect. I think in a relatively recent podcast, I said something to the effect of if we get a better Ragged Dragon that makes combat actually feel feasible. And this isn't quite it, but it is still another, it feels like a step in that direction in that um, if, if you're building around that ability, this looks close to a combat deck. It is probably still not fast enough to deal at a CDH table. Um, but I also think it's it's um, super flavorful because uh, calling it a vile cauldron is editorializing and, and really upholds like the kind of uh, false binary moralization that is so inherent in fairy tales. So I, I love that flavor element. I agree. <laughs> uh, Dockside make this good. That's yes. my opinion. If you uh, you if you loop Dockside for infinite treasures, you can pump them all into this guy, and make your team huge, and attack the table. That's nice. Yeah, you are in Team or Saber Tooth colors too, so you do have the ability to do that. Uh, it also makes it easier to do all that. If you're really looking for another way to make Thrasios's ability cheaper, oh, like yeah. this does go in Thrasios Bruise, but what, can, we so already can you, have. What's the what's the how does it reduce the, again by X where X is Agatha's power and so, reduces the activated abilities of creatures. Of creatures, by, yeah. So by one, by normal. one, yeah. So like normally, there's a green blue one from Bionis one of the Ravnica's. That's right. it. Yep. That, that one too, though. Yes, this is better. Technically, maybe. if you have a way to make Agatha's power bigger, then hooray, Agatha can be better than that yeah. card in this deck. But if you don't have a consistent way to do that, which I don't think that deck plays a lot of play plus the plus goddamn counters. otter, Cameron. Oh my God. Play the otter. 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 All right, we're going to get into the commanders that we played for the episode that comes out in a couple days here. So let's do it. Greta Sweet Tooth Scourge is one, a green and a black for a human warrior. That's a 3 3. When it enters the battlefield, create a food token for two and tap it. No, no, that's the food token reminder text. I'm sorry. I was like, I don't remember this being an ability on the card. For a green mana, you can sacrifice a food to put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature, but only at sorcery speed. But for one in a black, you can sack a food to draw a card and lose a life. So I played this deck because it's the commander that lets you play the confectionery and peregrine took together, and it makes a food on its own. So if you go commander, peregrine took, confectionery, you have three food. That's enough food to be able to start drawing through your deck. And eventually Did it'll it work. Hit. I was like, I don't know. I like I wasn't there for this one. They didn't let me out of the cage for this one. I didn't get to record that episode. <laughs> to be fair, you had plans. <laughs> yes. You had plans. Yeah. Or that. In the cage. You yeah. had plans yeah. in the yeah. cage yeah. that we gave you. Very important we wrote plans. them down yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, what, what when does this come out compared to that episode? Does this come out after? Two days from now. From two days from the release date. And then the set is gonna come out. You shouldn't spoil it. How the game goes? Yeah. Oh, it th this deck does great. <laughs> I think you spoiled it, but it's all right. That was nice and I on don't the know edge. if anyone I don't know if it did. Do you believe us? <laughs> yeah, you can't tell. It's like those new Pepsi commercials right. that, oh, is it good? I'm Steve Martin, and I don't know if this Pepsi's good or not. I don't know if this card is good or not. In fact, I'm pretty confident it's not good, but it was a, a shell that could house the new combo, and that's kind of neat. Turns that was, food into that was the criteria that I had. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's a fucking beast in limited. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's I can, true. I can that's see that true. for sure. Yeah. It says draw a card on it. So, like, it's yeah, a CDH pretty <laughs> staple. Yeah. There we go. Rowan Scion of War is one a black and a red for a human wizard that's a 4 2. These are all legendary, by the way. It has menace, and you can tap her so that spells you cast this turn that are black and/or red cost X less to cast, where X is the amount of life you lost this turn, but only activated at sorcery speed. I am so excited that Rakdos and Florian had a baby. It makes me so. <laughs> 
so happy that yeah yeah this card is really good i think this is something i i'm not sure about it as a commander it can do some powerful things the version that i played this is a little bit of a spoiler did not play ad nauseum which i know sounds very strange because this seems like it should be an ad nauseum card my reason being is I wanted to play Hoarding Broodlord, I wanted to play Villas, I wanted to play Pyranti the best, and I also kind of want to play Kurik, because Kurik makes this card go kind of bananas and makes everything free. Um, so I just wanted a couple more big things. The issue that I found with Ad Nauseum is that this doesn't actually help with the benefits of Ad Nauseum a lot of times, because Ad Nauseum is an instant, this taps for sorcery speed. If you're going to do a sorcery speed anyway, you might as do one of those sorcery speed things that are a little bit more consistent. You could definitely do an Ad Nauseum version. I'm not saying that the one that I did is right. Um, but I also actually think this card might be a card that can play in like Timna decks. Like I think this can be like a Mad Farm card that Timna makes you lose some life right there. This can kind of like tap for three for all of your things for generic mana. I don't know. The decks can sometimes play three mana value creatures. And I think this one is actually kind of close to something like that. You know, I've seen actually a little bit of chatter online about this card. And there's a lot of people that agree with you that like Ad Nauseum is not what this commander wants to do. You already need to lose life to make your Ad Nauseum only cost black, black. And then you're going to lose a ton more more life right what the how the fuck are you supposed to win the game right you play you so don't get many, enough cards that way you play so many cards like besage you and what's the one that gives haste that colorless land oh um that you can tap it for pay three life and give the creature yeah. you cast with it haste oh uh, uh oh it's something to do with it's on the Godo. screen dylan is look on actually, the screen oh it's right here uh, yeah yeah is it actually go to something right isn't it hall of the bandit hall of, Lord. that's what it is hall oh, of the bandit Lord. Oh, god damn it um, so you're playing so many cards like that 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 lose you a little bit of life to make your commander good that ad nauseum just kind of makes it more difficult when instead I want to use it on something like appear into the abyss doesn't care how much life that I end up by or something like a hoarding broodlord that if I can just like lose four life and cast the hoarding broodlord for three mana I can win the game right from there like that's pretty good yeah I, think. I so. love that it's a four two menace that can deal a lot of damage but I hate that then I can't use her ability immediately after I hate that. that it doesn't synergize with itself that yeah. kind of thing it's like uh well either or kind of thing. right she's yeah. like a little little um. Angel and a devil, I well, guess. Hear me out. What if, like, if it had vigilance, I feel like that would work. And maybe we can just take vigilance out of the white color pie and give it to black because white is so fucking pushed right now. Can you please calm the fuck down? Yeah. I mean, there is the white blue version of this card that's the same thing, but for gaining life. Yeah. And that one does have vigilance. Of course, of course, the white one's better. White gets all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. The white one's so good. <laughs> yeah. It cares about life gain. Everyone knows that that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not positive about Roman, but it's definitely one of the most powerful cards of this set i think it's in the top five i would rate it kind of like close to beseech the mirror i think i would say it's the second best commander option of the set yeah right behind the next card we're going to talk about which is talion the kindly lord this is two and a blue and a black for a fairy noble three four flyer that when it enters the battlefield you choose a number between one and ten and if you guess it right i'll give you a piece of candy <laughs> whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value power or toughness equal to the chosen number, that player loses two life and you draw a card. Wow. Let me start off with the things that I don't like about the card before I talk about things that I do. One, why not just pick a number? Why is it one to 10? Why not zero or 11? Is, I don't know if that's a lore reason or what. That just kind of annoys me for some reason. Also, I think it's so that you can't pick zero. Why not? What's wrong with zero? Yeah, honestly, zero is worse than like zero? one or two, I yeah, think. I don't, so. Yeah, what's the difference? In every format. Right, Like, and no, no one's going to pick 11 anyway. So like, there must be like a lore reason why you pick one in 10. I just don't know what it is, so that makes me mad. And I get mad when I don't know stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, um, but we're not going to Google it. <laughs> the other thing that I don't like about this card is if, that if someone makes you draw a card, because it's not a May, you must draw the card with your Thoracle on the stack, that stinks. They can kill you. So think about that before you go for a win with this in play. But Krom is the same way. So it's not that big a deal. That deck to and me, Krom is fine. Krom. Right. Yeah, yeah, Krom's so that's, great. That's fine. Uh, just remember that. That's the only thing. But the card is really good. You guys played it on Sunday, yeah. right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Our, our buddy Huff, who's going to be on the channel for the first time, right. is playing this deck. Oh, Huff, I like that. And um, yeah, he's he's a very nice boy. Well, I played it the night before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, How'd you think about it? Uh, I was very impressed by it. Uh, it it definitely did a lot. Um, Max, a guy that often plays Florian, was actually playing it and uh, was really excited about that deck um, and piloted it really well. It's I think the only time that I've had a start that included um, uh, a mana. I want to say it was like a mana crypt, a mana vault, and a turn one bloom tender, and then I still felt behind at the end of, of turn one, I like going first, yeah. um, because a turn one Talion came down, and so many cards were drawn very quickly, um, just by naming two, like it just comes up yeah, a lot. Yeah, two's, a two's lot. the it's number to name. Two, we all agree that two is yeah, the number. two's the number name, because of the power and toughness thing is really what pushes that over the place, because that not only makes creatures at the one, two, and three slots be super potent, but like your cyclonic rifts that you see out there there's a lot of advantage pieces that people will play that are two mana um this is really where you want to be at too there's a surprising amount of opposition agents and ragavans that are one in three mana spells but have twos in the power and toughness or something Even so like that makes there's sense. four mana spells right. that still have like two power or toughness it's such a wide range having the power normally you see effects like this and it's just mana value that it cares about but like adding two other factors that appear on like 50 percent of cards that they print like that's awesome what's the ratio of creatures that they print per other card types in the set because i just said 50 percent. Oh, i don't know but i have no idea what that number actually well, I is i don't think it's 50 I it think can't it be 50 there's that's only like one ninth of the types of cards yeah i would say that there's not 50 percent creatures well, 50% creatures are still stuff. dominant because they have to yeah. be for for limited environments to function i guess I, I would if i was guessing i would say probably like 35 percent. i would creatures. say 35 something too. around there yeah, that's yeah, what i would say that makes sense cards good i think it's going to be good i don't know it's so hard to judge with a lot of these cards but this one to me reads like it could be powerful it's nice to have another blue black option that's not an outlet in the command zone yeah. like i think these blue black options that are actually card advantage are going to be the ones that will do better and i think a lot of these are going to be like meta busters because they're going to be taking advantage of the fact that the format's slowing down and like big fucking creatures matter a lot more now than they ever did in CEDH outside of Protean Hawk. So I think like the decks that can slow down, kind of control the board a little bit more and be patient, kind of wait and find their windows are really going to see a resurgence. And I think that's really going to be in Talion's favor then. Yeah, I think Talion is oftentimes just going to feel like you have Rhystic Study in the command zone. All the time. That's just, that's just what it's going to feel like. You're going to draw probably like two to five cards a turn cycle. I don't know. What, what, would, you, what would you say you played against it? Less than that, more I, than I that. I think two is conservative, but like a good estimate if you're like trying to evaluate the card. It really depends on how your opponents play, much like Rhystic Study. But I think what I've what I've found so far, uh, both firsthand experience and watching um, other people play against it, is it, it seems to me like it's 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 just not a choice your opponents are going to make to yeah. not play the spell that yeah. has a CMC two just yeah. to stop them from drawing a card. Unless their life total starts to get like really precarious because it does say lose two life on here too. It's much easier. But that's not going to come up like at all. Yeah, it's much easier as a player to choose to not pay for a Rhystic Study or, or rather to to wait on a Rhystic Study because you know you can pay for the spell later. But this, you can never pay for it. So it's like, I can't play around. What am I going to do, not play spells? Like You have to stay in the game somehow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm under the impression that the life does matter and that one of the 
um, one of the discords that's like really focused on brewing this deck is taking it in a life direction and, and leaning in on like shieldred like effects mm. to try and drain opponents to you death know, and just play a control deck. That's actually really shieldred. funny because that actually did come up in the games that we played yeah. in this pod. Um, but not in the direction that you're thinking of. Yeah, so. I don't want to spoil, obviously, again, but Shieldred. I've been thinking about Shieldred in the 99 more and more. The more Ristic Studies yeah. I see, the more Orcish Bowmaster. I see how good Orcish Bowmaster effects She's a really be. good Punisher card. Yeah. yeah, thinking about that one a lot. Here's a card that you also thought a little bit about of because you built this deck. Yeah. How do you like that transition? Yenna Redtooth Regent. This is two, a green and a white for an elf noble 4-4, and for two and to tap it, you can choose an enchantment that you control that doesn't have the same name as another permanent you control. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's not legendary. That's good text. It also says, if that token is an aura, untap Yenna, Red Tooth Rain Regent, then scry two. Activate this ability only as a sorcery. So I built this one. Nate played it. I think the deck is, I don't know, it's close to something. It does some things that I think are neat. Um, the main one being it copies your stacks pieces. Second rule of laws, we all know, are very powerful, much more powerful than the first one because now your opponents have to accumulate two pieces of removal, which can be much more difficult to do. Doubling up on stacks pieces basically makes them harder to kill. Um, doubling up on things like Grasp of Fate, where you can like lock down the table pretty well, like get rid of one from everyone, and then everyone knows like why bother you playing a creature because you can just make a copy and take the next three at any time. Time, smothering tides there are a ton of different things i don't think that auras is the way to build this that's not what i was going for at all i want to just like double up on stacks pieces especially like enchantments that are like cantrip maybe um there's a couple decent ones for like one or two mana that will like help draw a card i would maybe think about cards like that uh in a tech like this um but i, I love stacks decks that go in this direction of just like doubling up on your already good stacks pieces it was one of the main reasons why i love two timnas so much using the sakashima to double up on a thalia effect or something like that the good stacks pieces is really powerful so i don't know we'll see there's creatures that are enchantments too so there's like other ways you can double up on the creatures that you have as well seems really neat and then i uh, you know obviously i wasn't in this game but i will say that i play um kind of an unreasonable amount of standard brawl on arena really? and calyx is a very popular commander that does a very similar very thing. similar thing and god it is so punishing when the, like the second oblivion ring effect comes down Ugh. yeah that really is the problem with some stack stacks is that you know, they can be a little fragile. You feel like you're safe when you have the stacks piece in play. And then on someone's end step, it gets bounced and then someone wins the game. But it does really just end up being the final nail in the coffin in the command zone is what this is. You go, oh, I have a stony silence in play. You all are folding to that. I'm going to get a second stony silence. And now you all have no chance of coming back. And it makes it just like difficult to play around, which is like the best thing that you can do in CDH is like make your opponents have to make terrible decisions. Like yeah. they know now that there's a grasp in play and the commanders in play they why bother playing creature they like so now they have to alter their whole gameplay not only around getting rid of the thing but also they can't even go in their game plan so it kind of hits it from two spots the only problem though is that it doesn't help get you from when you're behind like it's right. really good when you're already ahead and when you've already played proactive stacks pieces but when you're behind making your second stacks piece that isn't affecting the table as much as you think it is doesn't actually push you forward and instead you just tapped your 4-4 blocker instead yeah but how could a stacks deck possibly fall behind yeah that's <laughs> never happened in the history never, uh, of, yeah. of the game the, yeah like what well, i've talked about this a little before in another podcast but it doesn't create from nothing it doesn't do anything on its own it has to work well with other stuff whereas like stuff like um, um timna can 
activate itself. It can, Honestly, it can create from nothing. That's the sign of a great casual commander. Yeah. Is that it has to work with a bunch of other things yeah. for it to be so awesome. Maybe it's not good in CDH. So maybe it's not great in CEDH. However, the implications still lead it to seem like it could do really well in the right settings. We'll see. Agatha's Soul Cauldron. This is two mana for a legendary artifact. You may this has a lot of words on it too. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. Creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creatures exiled with the soul cauldron. And then you can tap it to exile a card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. I have seen a lot of chatter about this card, and I don't know what the fuck it's doing. Do you have Yeah, can you what enlighten you, us, you Tyler? Here's the biggest thing. Um I think it still needs a little more testing, but this is almost certainly an auto include in Kinnon and just immediately. Is it because of the it's like uh, mirror thing, the mirage mirror kind of sort thing? of. So mirage, remember mirage mirror. Um, one of the f- main functions it served, the main function it served, was to filter mana so that you could go from all colorless mana to all colored mana. The very first line of text on this just already does that. It says you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. So. Great. That that basically gets you there, short of Kinnon being removed and having to recast him. Whatever. Edge cases. But um, So it's probably just better because it costs two and does the same thing, um, even though it doesn't have the other things that uh, Mirage Mirror can do. However, the rest of the text is pretty relevant, too. Um, this can interfere with um, any Underworld Breach lines. You usually will be able to have a window if LED is in the graveyard and Brain Freeze is being cast, where you can exile LED before it can get cast again. Um I think there are also really appealing play patterns where if someone cracks a Deathly Voidwalker or a Ranger Captain of Eos, you can, in response, exile that card from the graveyard, put a 1-1 counter on one of your creatures, and crack that creature to, to copy the effect, to do the same effect. So if someone Ranger Captains on their turn to, to protect a winning turn, you can Ranger Captain them back in response. Interesting. Which I think is very strong. I didn't realize. You, yeah. what, you don't sacrifice as part of the cost, though? Does it matter? No, you do. You, you would do. sacrifice. Okay. Right. So you wanna, you're going to need to throw a creature away to it. You, you have to have something you're willing to give up, okay. for sure. But interesting. Um, cool. I think I, you know I, if you're if the alternative is l- losing the game, like I think you're probably going to do that. Can I read this? Card? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it, it's got a ton of different abilities on here. And like, from a graveyard, when a creature card is exiled this way, put it on target creature you control. Creatures you control plus one have abilities of all creatures exiled with that. Okay, That's okay, the one. Yeah, so you sorry, just give like your yep. Lanobor yep. elves yep. the okay. ability that. Sure. That is pretty good. Has, are you playing yeah. it, Are you going to find a spot for it? I literally already have it in the deck. Nice. What did you take out? Do you remember? Um, oh, I'm very nervous about what I took out. I've made a bunch of changes recently, so I'm feeling weird about it. But I took out Force of Vigor. Really? Which is a card that a lot of people aren't on in Kinnon anymore. Interesting. Okay. And I love it. But my rationale was that um, half the use case for Force of Vigor is stopping Underworld, Underworld Rage Wind. And this kind of does. This yeah. sort of does, but also does other very important things for the deck. Okay. Cool. We'll yeah, I, th- I think that's a good use case for it, too. I don't. I've seen people. People talk about like infinite combos that you can do with this that I've just brushed off because it seems like this cards. is too many things. Like in Kinnon, it makes sense because it's already doing something that another card that used to be played in a lot of Kinnon decks did. And this is just a, like a so much better version of that. Yeah. But like I wouldn't put this and like be excited to, I don't know, try to figure out how do I, what's the ooze, Necrotic Ooze or yeah. something like that. I feel like <laughs> that's one of those cards is that it? like goes really well with this. Necrotic Ooze comes with everything. With <laughs> everything, yeah. So I think what to watch for first is, you know, Kinnon players will be the ones figuring out whether the the Douthi and Ranger Captain and the edge cases where you're stealing activated abilities of things in graveyards 
is relevant enough to make this a good enough piece of yeah. graveyard hate that other decks want it. And if they do, I think there are some like Nigella and I'm thinking of that can also benefit from the color fixing element to activate the untap and extra combat ability, where it might actually see play in other decks as well. But I think Kinnon's the only like definitely gonna get tested and probably gonna end up in the list. I would I would say so so far. It's interesting because it's definitely eventually it's not going to you're not gonna ranger captain someone who ranger captain. You're just gonna make them find removal for your thing before they ranger captain. That's yeah. what it's gonna do. Yeah. Which is still good. It's a good thing. Um it's just either you're not gonna do what you wanna do with it. You're not gonna Dothy no. someone's Dothy. You're gonna make them have to kill it or fight over it before they, they can Dothy. Right. Which also, is better. But I just wanna get this is a lot that has to happen. Like Dothy has to be in play and someone has to be okay with with giving the Dothy player a that's what I mean yeah. Ranger like, Captain that's not like, gonna, there's gonna have to so much yeah like there's so much it has to go right for these edge cases to come up so I don't know how high I am on definitely it. but the fact that it stops the players from doing those things is like they can't Ranger Captain anymore they're not gonna do it but it stops them from doing it which is good like that's what you want anyway I'm not high on it in any other deck yeah, I, I just, just I think yeah. it's possible that Kinnan will not end up being the only deck on right. it no I, I'm, I'm just saying I personally think that that's cute and you tap it to exile something right you tap it to exile can i read something? it one more time yeah, you and do if tap it, it if it's, to it's a creature something. you put a one one counter on a creature you control so and if all so creatures you control with one one counters regardless of how they got them yeah have activated abilities of every creature that's been exiled with so like program. theoretical magical christmas land someone goes for a ranger captain line and they get stopped with Ottawara or besaju or something like that you go on your turn you play this down tap it right away exile the ranger captain that's already been exiled and then you get to crack your as thing long, for as long as captain. you have a creature that you can as long as you have a it. creature yeah. you can put it on that i feel like that situation might come up sometimes that's maybe. actually actually you could even let them ranger captain right. because yeah you, you know can you still have do to this besaju. you're like yeah right, that's great okay ranger well captain. you ranger captain from your dothy zone it's in a graveyard now i can exile that from a graveyard now I have six ranger captains in play. Wait, what? What? Yeah. So when you cast a spell with Dothy, it goes in the player's graveyard then, right? And now you have the chance to exile that card with the cauldron. And if you have six other creatures in play that have, what is it? You give a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature. A, not each. But if uh, if all of your creatures have plus one, plus one counters on it, now you have six. I don't know. I'm just saying. Right. They all get the ability. They all, I, any, I any creatures saying. that you have get the ability. If they get the plus one, plus one counter from something else, from something they else. still yeah. have the so ability. So like if you're in a huh. gave deck, this is a terrible example because yeah. see, Play this is a C the otter. Play the otter. Play the Play the otter. Play the otter. Play the otter. Play the otter. Collector's Vault is two mana for an artifact that says for two mana you can tap it to draw a card, then discard a card, and create a treasure token. Yeah. Um, I have told me to put it on. And I gotta say, <laughs> like, I I don't think it makes CEDH, but this is the the kind of thing that just feels close because looting and making a treasure is just like. Um, like a pretty darn good effect. And this was printed as, uh, is it a common or an uncommon? Uncommon. Yeah, so I wanted to point that out because it, it feels like um, looting and cantripping effects are are getting better and better as per the the, th the three minute instant speed divination. Um, and this is one that um, makes treasures and has longer term value. So in like weird decks that really care about discarding, like what was it Oswald or Oscar? The the one Oscar, yes. Yeah, there's there's a couple instances where if discard is important enough. I feel like it could be relevant, or if treasure is important enough, like in in a Magda deck, like it wouldn't have to cost much less to feel like this card was actually good. If you're playing a scepter deck, you can draw your whole deck and get a bunch of treasures with your scepter. What about Teshar? Teshar is a mono white deck, so it wants any way to get any type of advantage. It likes when stuff is in the graveyard because Teshar can bring it back. Yeah. 
Yeah, like treasures and artifacts and stuff the like that. Two mana and tap two it man, yeah. to do I think any four, of this makes it so hard. Yeah, four mana to get the first activation of it is probably just yeah. too much. Yeah, maybe. But I feel like if there was a deck that would want a Teshar, it might be. But I feel like even Teshar might not. Yeah, it just it just felt like a way the winds are blowing card yeah, that I was interested I that. in. Fair enough. We're all, we're the end of this podcast is just running out of steam. Are, are we ended on a pitter? Yeah, because the iron. Crag is next. The iron. Oh, this is a two minute rock though. Yeah, it's a well, it's a two minute rock that, that comes for, in untapped. That taps for colorless. Yeah. So already no CEDA checks are gonna play it. Godo might play it uh, for that reason. Godo, Godo, Godo might play shit like that. Godo <laughs> does. Did I don't know if they still do. Godo not. does play stuff like that. Yeah. You're right. Okay, this is a CEDH card. It also says whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have the iron Crag become a legendary equipment artifact named Everflame Heroes Legacy. If you do, it gains equip three, and equip creature gets plus three, plus three, and loses all abilities. So that's why it's a CEDH card because it probably goes in art index. Which I'm sorry, Callahan, but that's already a stretch for a CEDH commander. So I, I'm not thrilled. Question: yeah. uh, When it becomes an equipment, does it lose the ability to activate for tap for mana? I think it still has it because it says it becomes a it card with a different name. The ability this, but it becomes a nope. card that has a different name. You know, it, it literally says at the end of the card and loses all no, other abilities. No, the equipped creature loses all abilities. I think the. Plus, I don't think it does because the parentheses end after plus three, plus three. The parentheses don't end after and loses all other abilities. I'm pretty sure that it just gives a creature, the legendary creature, plus three, plus three, and it doesn't give it anything else because of how the, the quotation marks, oh, you know not what? the parentheses. Right. The I think you're right. The yeah. The so if you play ability, this in Arden, that makes your Arden suck, and then this card is going to be even no, it just, worse. No, it loses its mana tapping ability. Kim? Kim? Oh, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Sometimes I tease you for how you parse cards, and you nailed that, and it is actually kind of confusing to read, so fucking... <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Thank you. I did still mess up what I said at the very end of my thought there Doesn't about Arden, though, but <laughs> I'm still right. The end's at plus three, plus three. Well, I'll tell you what. I am staying with Callahan this weekend, and if they totally kick my ass with an Arden deck with this in it, I will let you know. A lot of these cards are niche-specific. Some decks, some commanders, some people will be very thrilled. Overall, I don't know that the set adds a ton. We said that a couple times. Don't no, we, this was a little bit of a negative set review in general, yeah, I think, but yeah, this, I, I think it kind of tends to happen when you have the lower power stuff for C. EDH in to general. be fair, I'm happy when the sets don't have a ton of CDH cards. Yeah. I really only want one or two or three. We don't need the whole set to be reinvented every time. Like it's okay that we don't have 20 CDH cards. Just a few is great. And I love when specific decks get their niche little cards. That makes it a lot more fun of. But there's just not a lot of generic power in the set, and that's okay. Yeah, no, it's it's good to let the format breathe a little bit. We did just get a ton of new stuff with the Lord of the Rings set, so I agree. I think it's totally fine that at least on the CEDH side, we get to take a little bit of a breather, just figure out what all Besiege the Mirror is gonna do and then move on from yeah, there. Yeah, they just they took all the power that would have gone into other CDH cards and put it in Beseech the Mirror. And yeah. What do we think like what do we think are like top 3 of the set is? Definitely Beseech the Mirror. What's the next number two? Number 1, Talion. Yeah, uh Talion I would Talian, say is my sure. number 2. Yeah, Talion. Yeah. I think Rowan honestly. I think Rowan is going to be a 99 card maybe. I put I put Agatha's um, Cauldron Hire, but that's you, because I, I'm on Kaden. Yeah. Yeah. I will sense. put Realm Scorcher Hellkite as my number three because I'm on Magda, and that card is guaranteed to see play. What's your there. special card, Dylan? We have Dylan. a top five. That's a top five. That's Besiege it. the yeah, Mirror is my top card. I'm going to play that one. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we're wrong about this set and it's like busted. Like, I, like what was, Wasn't the last Eldraine set really busted, right? Dude, Didn't, don't jinx it. We've yeah, never but been again, not, not for our format. Like, what... What Oko, cards right? from yeah from Oko, but like what other cards from that set? I feel like there's a lot. We're definitely. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Uh, there's definitely curse. The Eldraine was busted in a lot of different ways. If we just as we can't figure it out right now. Gingerbread so. gets played in Winota. Does Brazen Barrow get played in any decks? Maybe. You not. know what? Maybe I play it in Nimrus because it gets me two Nimrus triggers on different turns. So I actually really like it. Either way, this set does seem sick. I like it a lot, actually, even though it doesn't have all the CDH cards, but the art seems really cool. The flavor seems fun. I'm excited to draft it because I think the draft environment is going to be pretty neat. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Thank you so much for watching. If you'd like to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon, like our $100 patrons. They're all right here. Joey Aarons, SoCal Acura, Stormageddon, Cool Bean Man, Luke Cook, AJ Albosebi, Demon of Rosgrees, Kawaja, A, Hamid, Lauren Connell, and Baby Jeebus. If you want to pick up any of our merch, you can do that at playtoinmtg.com. If you want to pick up any Dragon Shield product, do that with our affiliate link below. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Thank you for watching or listening. See you next time. Saison MTG, Dalton Poteet, Kadonis, Lutri's Dad, Statues, Mitchell Shepard, Justin, Mansolo, Nicole Romero-Kovic, Steven Schlichty, Pedro, Jacob Depp, Michael Ballou, Jan Wildfang, Thomas Boido, Swampy McGee, David Nelson, and Jormags.